Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. And yet again, you're probably hearing the like the smile in my voice, the excitement in my voice, because I have not just a new guest on the show today, but what I feel like is a longtime friend. Lisa Gilbert is here with me. Lisa, thank you for making time for all of us. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I'm really excited to be here. We were we were actually talking before we started recording and kind of trying to figure out the last time that we got a chance to connect in person. You're saying it's been, what, like a year and a half or so? Yeah, I, I think it was the last um, Inspire conference that yeah. we were together. And uh, so too long, def- definitely too long. You are always a face that I look forward to seeing um, whenever I go to these things. And last year, we didn't see anybody. So just even looking at your face on my that your still face on my computer right now is making me very happy. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I've let guests know this occasionally, but when when we do these these episodes, these shows, uh, we've been doing audio interviews because I've had so much issue in the past with inconsistency and in bandwidth, and so when we've tried to do video at times, that's affected the quality of the audio. And the, the audio is the final product that I'm shooting for. I want to make sure it's sure. really good. At the same time, it probably makes me come off like unsociable or something, but we're actually <laughs> in the process of of gearing up to transition to a video podcast production. So um, I'm hoping utilizing a different platform, we're going to actually be able to make that happen with as you know best quality as we possibly can. And that'll that'll hopefully happen within the next, to put it in podcast times, maybe the next five to 10 episodes or so, we'll start to, to begin to offer a video option, which will have its own appeal too, because you know we talk about photographers' websites and we talk about products and, and, and various services and books and these kinds of things. And it'd be fun to actually pull that up on screen and share it as we're discussing and even look at it and critique it or whatever it might be. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Oh, that's great. I, I wish you a lot of luck with that. I look forward to it as well. Thank you. Well, and, and you know, I want to get back to what you were saying, the, the, this idea of us getting to connect in person, because I also genuinely enjoy it. And, and this plays into what is going to be kind of our main topic for today, which really is just about how to bring the right energy to client relationships. Lisa, you genuinely are, are one of my favorite people to hang out with oh. in, in our industry. <laughs> For this very reason, you bring like what is, and in fact, I was actually commenting, believe it or not, I was just meeting with my team at Photographer's Edit just before we did this podcast interview today. And I was telling them, we're getting ready to, to have this podcast interview. I said, Lisa just brings this like, incredible energy, this this kindness, this you know graciousness to interactions that is, I mean, honestly, it's it's a bit unusual. A lot of times you you, and I've been in the industry for about 20 years now, you interact with people and, and you don't quite know what version you're getting of them. And I don't have to ask that, that question with you. It, <laughs> and I, I love that. Oh, Nathan, thank you so much. Yeah, I, um, it's funny. I, uh, I'm trying to keep myself from being too loud <laughs> because I get so excited. And I stand up and I flail my arms around <laughs> and I don't want to do that and, and ruin the, uh, the sound quality. But yeah, I, that means so much to me. I really appreciate it. And it's, it's one of the things that I've always been, I'm comfortable with my exuberance. Mm. I, it's, I know that a lot of people can be scared that they're going to be too much or that they might come across as inauthentic. But I, this is just who I am. I've been this way for a long time. I really genuinely love people. I love getting out to see people, meeting new people. And um, I think that's actually how you and I became acquainted was that you were repping photographers at it at a, at a work 
a workshop or a trade yeah, show. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I couldn't help myself, but to come over and just talk it up because it's been so wonderful for me. You did. And, you absolutely uh, did. I think it was like, I, honestly, I, I can, I can almost like, I think I can picture the exact moment. This has been what, three or four years ago, maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe more than that. It was in Newport. We were yeah. back in Newport. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you came <laughs> over, I think during a lunch one day and, and basically yeah. said, hello. And we just started talking that, but that's just who you are. And, you know, there's, yeah. first of all, there's, there's something to be said for a certain level of energy. Um, and I try to bring that even in my conversation here at the podcast, because I know if you ever sit in a class or a workshop or conference or whatever, and you have this kind of monotone presentation or monotone speaker that you have to sit yeah. and listen to, you just kind of fall asleep. Right. Oh, so absolutely. I want to bring energy for that reason, but I also know what it's like to be on the other side of an interaction with somebody who communicates their seeming genuine desire to connect with that energy. And yeah. so, yeah, you may bring a certain volume to, to the interaction, but it's, it's the genuineness that is so impactful to me. And that, that's just super special. So I, I don't want to belabor the, the point, but I, I just think it's, it's not as commonplace and it's certainly relevant to our conversation later today. So I, I have to give you props for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. That's good. Good to hear. <laughs> well, and, and let's let's actually just jump right into these these questions that that I had sure. here in front of me. And you know, one of the in fact, the first question I normally ask all of our guests these days has to do with brand position. And for anybody listening in who's not familiar with the concept, brand position very simply is the the value proposition your business offers to your marketplace, and and hopefully it's a unique value proposition. But what is that for you, Lisa? And you're in the New England market, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I'm a wedding and uh, family portrait photographer based uh, in a small seaside town, sort of halfway between Boston and Cape Cod. So I live in Cohasset, Massachusetts. It's a very small town. We're probably about uh, eight or 9,000 people. Wow. And so there's, the family vibe is wonderful here. Um, but we also have a, a few wedding venues. And because we're coastal, we get a lot of people who are looking for that kind of a feel for their weddings. So yeah, my brand specifically is this very relaxed and colorful and moment-driven photography. I started out shooting families, I think in 2007, and I really wanted to be colorful and I wanted to, I didn't want to line people up. Somebody had used the term little league photography to me at my own <laughs> wedding, which was, you know, lining everybody up in sort of ascending heights. Yep, or, yep. And I, and I just didn't like that. My own wedding photographer, I got married in 1997, did that. And I didn't know enough about photography and certainly not about wedding photography to know what I didn't want. And uh, it was only after that, when I saw the pictures of everybody lined up that I thought, well, that's kind of static and doesn't really work for me. So I wanted to you know, I go to the beach every day in the summer and I would see these kids playing in the water and having a wonderful time. And I thought, that's what I want. I want photos of that because that's what's happening. These kids are throwing mud and they're digging holes and they're, they're, you know, coming up with popsicle all over their face. And it just really made me happy. So that's how I brought out my uh, style or my brand, which was, you know, just brand new then as a family photographer. And then as I moved into weddings, I realized that I could bring that over and be authentic and be moment driven. I think of all photography, whether it's a family session or a senior session or, or anything as a series of vignettes. It's not just one single moment. It's a variety of moments. And my goal is to, to capture all of those. I want it to be a, a nice flow, a natural flow. So people are moving from one moment mm. to the next, whether, whether it's a wedding where the story is sort of played out for you or a family session where there needs to be a little bit more direction, but in 
hopefully the, the kids are the ones who are sort of uh, running the show then because they're just going to do whatever they want. And I believe in that. I always ask parents to suspend the rules for a little while and <laughs> say, just let those kids be who they are. Yeah. And then I want the experience to be comfortable. I, I believe it's about the joy. And then that word energy, you know, I think there's a certain level of energy that needs to be in every photo shoot so that you don't get that, as you mentioned earlier, that monotone, that sort of go stand there, everybody smile. You know, that's, that's not me. I'm, <laughs> I'm loud and I flap my arms around and I'll stand <laughs> on my head. And, and, uh, and we're I just all glad for people- it, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure people are having a really, really, really good time. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I get that. And I, again, I, I think if we all kind of put ourselves in, uh, either take ourselves back in time. Um, and actually, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Take ourselves back in time to that moment or those few moments where we've had the opportunity to be on the other side of somebody who, it, I mean, it just, it, you couldn't help but think that they genuinely were interested in making you feel good via that interaction that that is it's an unusual experience and honestly those experiences are part of why i try to bring the energy that i do to the podcast because i want other people to be on the other side of that experience i'm continuing to 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 work at even my approach to conversation certainly with my team with my girlfriend with with my kids it's important to me to give them that experience and i'm not always very great at it but i i want to continue to get better at it and we could certainly use you as an example but i i want to get back though to this idea of brand position just briefly because sure. i'm actually on your your instagram uh, account and for everybody listening in if you go to lisa gilbert photography just like it sounds on instagram and, and by the way lisa's website is lisagilbertphotography.com as well but you'll see in her profile there uh, that first sentence it says bright and colorful award-winning photography with zero cheese and you know there are different elements that that can make up a strong brand position statement brevity is certainly one of them and I like the brevity of that statement, how you're able to sum up what you just said very descriptively in, in one brief sentence. And that phrase at the end, the zero cheese, I think it's just fun. It's kind of playful, um, which further yeah, emphasizes your brand. And, and that's really great, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's I mean, that is there's always I always try to inject a little bit of humor into everything that I write, whether it's copy on my website or captions on my Instagram, I think in terms of humor. And sometimes I've had to reel that back a little bit and remember that I am a professional, (laughs) (laughs) but the zero cheese thing for me uh, is twofold. One is, and most photographers, when they've been doing this for a while, recognize that um, when you ask people to say cheese, they make the most unnatural face. And so I've been trying to train parents around here, please teach your kid to say something else that, that gives them a natural uh, relaxed face. My go-to is monkey. And so, um, most of the children that I've photographed in town who are now in high school and seniors, since I've been doing this for a long time, will remember that I taught them to yell monkey at the top of their lungs when they're little, because it mostly makes them laugh. Yeah. And then I can catch these natural moments. And then, like I said, there's a style of photography for everyone. I do, I do believe that. And there are some people who maybe do enjoy a little bit more formality in their photos, but I grew up uh, in the eighties. And so cheese to me were those unbelievably horrible photographs with our face floating up above us, you know, the school photographs with the little hologram face (laughs) and lasers in the background. And I just wasn't into that (laughs) at all. I really wanted something more natural. So, yeah. So I try to, um, I try to let people know I'm never going to ask them to say cheese. I, I don't line people up for me. It's really just about experience and not about process. Ooh, 
That's that's good. We could we could park there for a long time. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on that because we have a lot else to cover. But sure. that's a great that's a great summary of the significance of experience and and really actually a great transition or segue into my next question, which has to do with customer experience. So sure. actually, I really you set us up beautifully. Why don't you comment just briefly on a primary principle or idea driving that experience that you just described that you're trying to create for the customer? Does it have everything to do with energy or is there some other principle at play? I think a little bit of both. So I, a lot of people, a lot of artists are introverts. Um, I think that's sort of a, a tendency in the, in the industry or in the entire world of art, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or um, whatever. Artists tend to turn inward and that's where they get all their experience or all their creativity. I am a rare extrovert. And when I say extrovert, I mean like super extrovert in this industry. And I enjoy that. I I know that over my entire lifetime, it has been something that I've had to rein in a little bit or reel back. Uh, I'm loud. I have friends that say I sound like I've swallowed a microphone and that <laughs> my energy is is really big. But I do believe in in infectious energy. Yeah. Um, I know that anytime I've ever been in a situation where I feel uncomfortable or I'm a little bit stressed out or unsure of what's going on, somebody with energy um, and positivity will always make me feel better. And a really good example of this is um, back when I was in college, I had to take a flight from Boston to the DC area. And it was in the middle of the winter and the weather was horrible. And they ended, they, I'd been delayed in the airport for a long time and they put us on the plane finally. And I think there were only seven or eight people on this plane and the turbulence was horrible. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a shaky flyer anyway, Yeah, me but I too. remember looking to the flight attendants and the way that these two flight attendants came and spoke to the seven or eight of us that were on the plane their energy was positive okay. and confident. And we do this all the time and don't worry about it. Mm. You're going to be fine. And I'll, I'll never forget that because it got me through a, a pretty shaky flight. And so photography is obviously not something that I can relate to, you know, dying in a plane crash, but for sure people are nervous. It's a wedding day or they've never been in front of a camera before. And for me to come with the energy and say, I've got you, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I bring experience um, which I'm really proud of because I remember earlier days when I started the business 13, 14 years ago, when my confidence wasn't so high, but I sort of faked it because I have this energy. I have this natural exuberance that I was able to put out there and say to people, oh, I got it. I'm totally handling it. Don't worry about the light. Yep. Don't worry about the rain. Don't worry about any of the things that might be going wrong or that might be making you feel less than enthusiastic for this. Sure. I got it under control. Yep. So I think my my natural tendency to be an extrovert really helps with that because I believe energy is infectious. Well, I, I again, I, and, and actually, as I'm listening to you describe how people have kind of suppressed said energy, um, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it makes me kind of curious and, and a little bit sad because I don't know that I've ever experienced a version of you that was annoying or frustrating because you were so positive oh. or so so upbeat. Um, oh, thank but, you. But my, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say my 17-year-old son is probably the one example <laughs> of someone who wishes that I would just tone it down a little bit. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I think we even have home video actually from from my life growing up at home with a mom who, and I am so thankful for this and for her, that, that the so-called energy that we're discussing that she brought to our interactions. She's so, and to this day, 
fun-loving, sarcastic, just really, and, and aims ultimately to create a really great environment for, for us. I mean, she still treats us like we're teenagers. I have three younger brothers and uh-huh. you know, I'm 41 and, but it's fun though. It feels like you're back at home in the way that she, she just likes to keep a really fun vibe. But I, we've got these home videos where you can see me looking, I, I think looking a little bit annoyed in the background. I think this is part of the like teenage years, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But Nonetheless. We, I live in, I live in a world of eye rolls, <laughs> a lot of eye rolling here. Well, fortunately for kind of the bigger picture effort that we bring as business owners to the picture, the, this effort at positive energy has, I think, big payoff. It, you know, when we're talking about creating differentiation, we talked about brand position earlier, and certainly when it comes to marketing and very quickly and concisely communicating to a potential client, what it is that we do different than the photographer next door, the, the verbiage there, the copy is important, but the actual experience at the end of the day is really going to make the biggest impact. Photographers many times focus so much on the image and their yes. Lightroom preset that they're applying and this yes. nuanced, you know, magenta that, that there was a little bit too much of like stuff that really at the end of the day doesn't matter to a client that much. The client really is going to leave with a lasting impact on their lives because of the experience, the overall experience. That, that we as photographers have created. And it, it looks like you're intentionally doing that on a regular basis. And, and that's not only to be commended, but also a wonderful example for our listeners. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I want to keep going, though. And you, you talked about sure. your son. Talk to me about time management, how you're kind of balancing family life and running a business, making sure that you don't personally get burnt out in the process. Is there a kind of a big idea at play there that enables you to manage time better? Yeah, sure. So I'm a single mom and I have been a single parent since I began this business. As a matter of fact, I I sort of found this photography gig in a foxhole. I was in the middle of a, a divorce yeah. that was unpleasant. Um, mm. I mean, they're never pleasant, but I was, and I was sort of uh, sideswiped by it. I wasn't expecting it. My son was two and a half, three years old. Wow. And uh, I thought, you know, oh, I'll have a few more kids and then I'll go back to work eventually. Mm. And so I wanted to do something that was not going to send me into the city, um, putting him in daycare and going into the city every day. And I, I had some friends that were complimentary of my photography. And I'd, I'd been in the industry. I was an art director for a couple of magazines prior to having uh, my son in 2003. Oh, so. Wow. I'd been in the publishing world and I knew a little bit about digital photography, even though I was trained in film back in college. I was a photo miner. But anyway, so I started the business because I felt like I can be home when he gets off the bus from kindergarten and I have friends in town that will pay me. And that was, you know, I so many photographers are really just looking for anybody that's willing to be photographed so that you can build a portfolio. And I was fortunate enough to have that both in the community that I'm in, people were supportive and knew what I was going through, but also um, I had taken a temporary position uh, as a sort of a teacher's assistant at a preschool that was just down the street from me just for something to do and to sort of get my feet back under me during this tumultuous time. And so I was surrounded by children and I always had my camera with me and it, you know, slowly built into, Hey, why don't you come photograph my family? So my fear around that was how can I do this and still be a single parent to a young child? And so community was number one, absolutely number one. People would step in. They knew that I had sessions. They knew that I was trying to build this business. And so I could name 400 people who lend a hand and really, really got me through the beginning of it, which is the roughest part when I didn't really know what I was doing and, and didn't have time management skills in place. And 
And then as things got better and he got a little bit older, I was able to sort of arrange things around his schedule and make sure that he was doing an after-school activity when I was having sessions. You know, if you're a, if you're a natural light photographer, which I am, it was very difficult for me to schedule things. You know, I can't shoot at noon while he's in, while he's in school. So I was always shooting in the evening. So I had people that would help me out or sometimes I would bring him with me. And he actually enjoyed that when he was younger, he really liked coming on sessions with me. And because I was photographing primarily people in my own community. It, it wasn't like I was dragging him miles and miles from home. We were really just going to the beach or, you know, down to the Harbor. Sure. So that was great. As I started to shoot weddings, the silver lining of being a divorced parent is that uh, he would go to his dad's on the weekends and leave me with a full Saturday with no concerns about childcare. He was with his dad. His dad is extraordinarily involved in his life. We co-parent very well together. Mm. And so he would go to his dad's on the weekends and I would be able to shoot weddings. And so it just became a very easy sort of symbiotic relationship between when he would be away and when he would be with me. And I, you know, I don't know, Nathan, that I managed it a hundred percent positively a hundred percent of the time, but I did the best that I could with it. And, you know, as he got older, sometimes I'd have him hold a reflector and he Mm -hmm. didn't love that so much, but it was, (laughs) it was definitely trial and error at the beginning. And through the grace of a wonderful community that I was able to continue to be a, a present parent, but also bring some dollars in to put food on the table. Wow. Community intentionality, Man, it would be so interesting to me to see your your relationship with your son in person or even like be a fly in the wall and just see that interaction because your your love for him is evident and the tone oh. in your voice and the way that you're describing, especially going through that divorce and, and what it meant to try to balance everything. But then also, again, just that energy that you bring to the picture. I, c- I can imagine you guys have some fun <laughs> times too. That's That's really great. No, thank you. Yeah, he's completely opposite of me. He's an introvert, but he's. Um, but I think that we bounce well off of each other most of the time. Oh, that's know? wonderful. 17-year-old well, boys and their moms. <laughs> I, I want to kind of transition, though, and, and really it's a very related sure. topic to the, the concept of delegation and yes. time management, really one of the, the principles that enables us to manage time more effectively. And, and I, I've been saying this, I think, more on the podcast as of late, but even for me personally, I'm still as a, as a, somebody who owns an editing company that's all about delegation. I'm still learning how to be- better delegate and work with my team, not only lead my team more effectively, but also more effectively delegate to them. And even down to s- simple things like not feeling bad for asking them to to handle something for me. And so I, I'm curious for your business, for your company, delegation. Is that something that you have experimented with? And, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek because I know that you've used photographers at it, but I guess ultimately what is outsourcing or delegation meant in your life? And this could be editing certainly, but also any other elements of your business that you're delegating. Yeah, absolutely. So the very first outsourcing that I did was to get myself a CPA. Mm. <laughs> I am not a numbers person and I made the foolish attempt the first couple of years to manage the books by myself and I screwed it up and, you know, and the IRS doesn't like when you screw it up. So I, uh, I found out the hard way and it's embarrassing to say, but having uh, been married to somebody who was good with numbers for such a long time, I wasn't really in control of things like that. And when I, when I opened this business, I, you know, I had a plan and I, 
was working with my small bank to do things correctly as far as my income, but I just really had no idea how to manage books for a business. And so I had to learn that. So that was my first thing was finding somebody who would take that over for me and untangle the mess that I was in. The second thing was photographer's edit. I am not a very good photo editor. I don't know why. I've uh, I recently, and and maybe because of the conversations that I've been having with people about outsourcing, I looked back at some of the work that I did in 2009, mm. 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. And I know that styles change and trends change, but I'm horrified that I sent those photos to my clients. <laughs> you know, <laughs> technically they're fine. Sure, I sure. know how I know how to make a composition, yeah. although I did tilt everything like most people did. Hey, me but too. My, yeah. yeah. But my editing was just atrocious. And I didn't and I would spend all this time editing and I was de- delivering uh, galleries that were inconsistent, not just poorly edited, but but just edited in all shapes and all shades of brown and hmm. green and I mean neon greens. And so I was looking into outsourcing editing. And I had gathered the names of a number of companies and yours came up. I really wanted a company that wasn't a monthly charge. That was a per, uh, per image charge Mm -hmm. because that worked for me because of where I live. I don't have any images, usually January, February, and March. And I sent some photos and I think I've been with photographers that it since 2014 or 15, I sent some images in and they were correct. The first, like right out of the bat, I was just amazed that, it was that simple. I mean, the light went on, all the cliche things about, ta-da, like life became so much better. <laughs> and so whatever company you use, I think that outsourcing your editing is probably the number one thing to delegate as far as time suck. Yeah. Um, I Editing for me, just it wasn't pleasant. I wasn't happy. Even now, I'll still do like a night of quick edit for Facebook or something. Sure, sure. And then when I get the photos back from photographers edit, I'm embarrassed about what I put out, you know, on my Facebook preview because it's so much better once you guys have handled it. Well, I, so that's, I have to jump ahead. in really quick. And, and first of all, thank you for the shout out. And, and I of always, course. I always say this, um, on these interviews where PE happens to come up, it, this is very much unplanned. Um, in fact, to the extent that Lisa is so gracious, she actually has scheduled a, a clubhouse, meeting for us this coming week, um, where we're going to be talking about workflow and, and she asked me to be a part of it. And, um, and and of course we're going to talk about photographers edit, just super gracious Lisa of you to talk about P the way that you do. I'm just glad at the end of the day that it's made a difference, that it's been helpful. And, and I would tend to agree with you about the, the time suck that editing is. So first of all, as a wedding photographer, and I was shooting as many as 30 or 40 weddings a year, I know the, the strain that editing can be. I actually enjoy editing to a point, but when it comes to you know taking care of thousands and thousands and thousands of images, that just becomes a drain. And I'm I was a bit of a perfectionist, and and that was that became frustrating. So it was just a it was a drain in the end. I think it's great that we can outsource, even if it's just the majority of the busy work. Um, and we if we still want to hold on to a little bit of editing for Instagram and Facebook and still have our hand in it, that's great. But getting rid of the majority of that busy work is super important. To that end, just very quick question: Do you how much time would you say that you used to spend? Let's take weddings, for example. Is it um, processing a wedding yourself? What did that look like? Oh, boy. This is interesting because I'm putting this together sort of for our talk on Monday, too. A week of long days doing nothing but staring at the screen, just staring at Lightroom, going back and forth. And when I say a week, if I shot a wedding on Saturday, my goal would be to, to call by maybe Monday or Tuesday 
I usually, I always take a few days off after that so that I'm not, so that I can come back to it with fresh eyes. Sure. But then if I had another wedding on Saturday and then I also had family shoots during the week, I'd be up until two, three in the morning wow. trying to get through these edits and second guessing myself constantly. Yep. I would edit something and think this looks great. Yeah. And then come back to it later and go, oh, that doesn't look great. Her face is green or something (laughs) like that. I did that too. I I totally know the feeling. And you're not alone. I mean, the photographers that I've talked to over the years, not just even a week, sometimes taking two weeks, because the other thing that happens, and you're probably familiar with this too, is like you do a little bit here and then a little bit there, and then something else comes up. You got to go to that thing and you come back. And so you're distracted. And there's just so many variables in the process. So it can take a week to two weeks and 16, 20 hours, sometimes yeah. even more. It's, yep. it's a lot of time. I, I, I don't want to frustrate or annoy my listeners by talking about editing too much because it sounds kind of cliche. I own an editing company, but I do want to highlight the, the pain point, which is editing. I would just encourage all of our listeners um, to take Lisa's lead. And you know whether it's photographer's editor or somebody else, just delegate that thing, which is really yeah. the most time-consuming element of running our business because it'll make a massive, massive difference in, in your business and in your life. Yeah, I, I never fail to comment that it's the most important decision that I've ever made for my business. And whether that was photographer's edit or somebody else, like I, sure. there are people that are very happy with editing companies that aren't photographer's Absolutely. edit. It's just for me, the the time that I save and the lack of frustration, I'm no longer, I, I trust, you know, trust is a big thing. Trust is a really big word in our industry. Yes. I need my clients to trust me and I need to trust the people that are dealing with my images because mm-hmm. You know, you're representing me. Photographers Edit represents me when you work on my images that I then send to my clients. And so developing trust with the people that are touching your work is really important. And I will admit that part of that is knowing you. You know, I started work using Photographers Edit before I met you, Nathan. But once I met you and now I know that if I have a problem, which I never have, but if I have a problem... I can reach out to the owner of the company and that to me, <laughs> but that's a, but that's a really yeah. big thing. No, that's a really you. big thing. Yes. And for me, it's very important because I want to know, I want to know who I'm supporting. Mm. I want to know about the company. Mm-hmm. And I want to know that the person that runs a company is somebody who really cares about his clients and really cares about his customers and their work. And you do. So that's my little, my pitch for PE because you've been wonderful, but I also delegate other things too. So it's not just that I'm a big fan of uh, CRMs or customer re- you know, relationship managers, yeah. which is for me, a really nice way to make sure that I'm being uh, consistent in my communication. I, I'm a great communicator, I think. I think it's a strength of mine. But because of my uh, effusiveness, <laughs> I need to make sure that I'm not always putting 7,000 uh, exclamation points at the end of every email. So having a CRM, which manages in this in these days of having text and DMs for you know a, very, a variety of platforms, yeah, yeah. along with email, along with phone calls, it, it's easy for someone like me, especially to lose track of who's gotten in touch with me. So I encourage all of my clients or people I talk to out on the street to say, Oh, I'd love to work with you. I say, send me an email, fill out the contact form. And then it goes into this manager where it's, I can prioritize and I can get back to everybody. And of course I have templates, uh, email templates and contracts and quotes and things like that, that uh, are set up for me. And boy, is that a time saver too, to just know that I'm presenting a consistent cheerful, but a consistent message out into the world. And you're using Sprout Studio, is that right? 
I am not actually. Okay. I use 17. I use 17 hats. I love Sprout Studio and am considering a, a switch, which is why I invited Brian to come and be with us. But um, much like editing companies, there are a lot of choices for CRMs and s- there's one for everybody. Yeah. I really believe in that. Yeah, I for really sure. believe in that. Well, it, it, um, it is, it's so important that we leverage, you know, delegation pretty much of, of anything, certainly editing, but delegation is one of the most important principles behind time management as a business owner. Automation is, yes. is probably the next most important because I mean, thanks to living in 2021 where we have access to technology that by the way, doesn't even cost that much. Fortunately, we can automate a lot of what we do, which and it, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Um, we talk about the balance between automation and personalization, but at the end of the day, if we are one person running a photography business, working with many clients, it, it, we really don't have a whole lot of choice in the end, if we're going to have a life and, and scale yeah. and not burn out, uh, but to take advantage of some of this technology. So doing so is great. I actually just recently had Brian Capricci from Sprout on the podcast. It's just such a, you talk about good people, such yes. a, such a great guy, super intelligent Wonderful. guy. And so it certainly will link to Sprout. We'll link to 17 hats as well in the show notes, bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. Really quickly, Lisa, before we get to kind of our main topic for the day, talk to me about an impactful business or self-help book that has been a favorite of yours that's made a big impact in your life. Oh, yeah, sure. So can I mention two? Please, please, by all means. So I have two schools of thought with regard to photography. One is the technical stuff, you know, books that are technical and business, which, you know, coming up, as a, a film person, you know, I shot film when I first got, when I got my first 35 millimeter camera, I yeah. shot film that was in 1985. So I shot film for years and uh, learned to shoot manual, you know, in a, in a time when you really had to do a lot of math, which is not my strong suit. And so I needed books that really helped me understand the fundamentals of the exposure triangle and things like that. And yeah. so I was a very, very big fan of The Decisive Moment by Henri or Henri Cartier-Bresson. I loved his work. And I loved reading about how, what his process was. I thought that was just such a fantastic way to learn about photography. I was, you know, I was taking classes on famous photographers when I was in college and I loved learning about it and I loved looking at it, but I wanted to know how did they make that? Like, how, how did they determine the different difference between the lights and the shadows. And so that was a really interesting book for me. And then the other part of photography for me is the psychology of it is, and that's where, of course, my energy and the way that I relate to my clients comes in. And so I'm a super positive person and I don't tell a lot of people stuff, but I also suffer from some significant mental health issues. I um, was diagnosed a couple of years ago with major depressive disorder, which is kind of contrary to my outward personality, (laughs) but sometimes I don't have that inner fortitude, but I I believe in nurturing mental health. Mm. And so two books that were really, really instrumental to me are You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I'm sure you've had somebody mention that. Absolutely. And then recently Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And those are really just books that made me as a single mom recognize my value and Mm. my worth. And then as a business owner who, you know, having to deal with the public and and that sort of general term dealing with the public. I love my clients and and 99.9 of them are fantastic, but the occasional difficult person comes along. And so those books were really instrumental in helping me stand my ground as a business owner, but also 
uh, relax and fold into my, my upset client as a human being hmm. and to recognize them as such. And so I think that we, we spend so much time working to be, you know, uh, recognizable in, on Instagram or on Facebook or on Pinterest or whatever platform we are using to show our visual arts that we sometimes don't have enough bandwidth left for the actual experience of dealing with our clients, with our people. And so I need to recognize that these are humans who need to be heard. So those books were really good about helping me recognize that and stay in the moment and know that I am a strong, confident, capable human being, but so are my clients. And I need to treat any kind of negativity that comes up with that sort of same respect that I had when I went into the relationship and, and fix whatever I can. Well, you mentioned untamed and I actually pulled it up on Amazon here and the, the description or part of the description says that it explores the joy and peace we discover when we stop striving to meet others' expectations and start trusting the voice deep within us. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure. Somebody may have brought that up once or twice in the show. We've, we've done a lot of episodes and there have been a lot of books, but we'll certainly link to that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com, decisive mo- moment as well. Uh, we'll make sure to link to that. And then um, You Are a Badass has probably been one of the most popular books. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's been right. one of the most popular books, maybe even like top five um, been mentioned <laughs> on the show. And so we'll, we'll make sure to link to that again. But for those of you listening in, if you haven't seen the collection of most popular books on the Boca podcast, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, you can actually see a collection of the most most recommended books on the podcast there. And this is certainly in that list. So yeah, I knew I was pulling up a, a favorite, but I, I didn't oh. want to, I didn't want to diminish it by saying, Oh, well, you've already heard about it because it really is instrumental. Oh, I'm glad. No, I'm glad that you shared it, by all it's means. Next, it's dog eared and next to my bed. And sometimes even just in, in personal stuff, even like sometimes I just don't want to get up and do the laundry and I'll read the chapter of that book. And I'm like, darn it. I'm going to go take care of the day. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well we're we're gonna link to all of them and if you think of other books you, you can even say more than and that was three then it'd been three you said one more than you promised at uh, least oh, so. sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> no in all seriousness if you think of any others um don't, don't i do have one more that i wrote down just because it's yeah. a little bit more recent but i also loved picture perfect practice by roberto valenzuela who is a photographer who i admire and have learned quite a bit from yeah. uh, i met him at wppi a number of years ago yep. and really enjoyed working with him. And uh, he wrote that book and I read it. And I just remember thinking, it, you know, certainly it's a more modern take on um, than the than the Cartier-Bresson. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He And he is so absolutely talented too. It's, yes. it's, it's oh, His work yes. is, is brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll link to all these in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. I want to jump to kind of our, I mean, I say our primary point of conversation today, but we've, we've touched on this idea of energy quite a bit in our conversation, which I think is, is wonderful. And, you know, I, again, I have so much respect for the energy, the graciousness, the kindness that, that you bring to interactions, but you actually mentioned to me leading up to today's conversation that you feel that energy, and you've alluded to this earlier too, that you bring to your client relationship is your biggest strength as a photography business owner. So I, I want to break down break that down a little bit more detail. Before we do though, this word energy gets thrown around a lot. And this is kind of fun actually for me because uh, Jill, who also happens to be my girlfriend, has, has yes. um, just begun working for our, our company, our brand. She's taking over where Haley uh, left off. And shout out oh, to Haley okay. who... It's just who done, I love. Yeah. Oh, and, and she's done so much for the company. So we have to give her, I mean, a shout out doesn't do it justice, certainly. But she's in the process right now of, of uh, training Jill 
um, to kind of take over her role. And Jill's going to be producing this podcast. So Jill will likely be editing this episode. Shout out to Jill, who's probably listening in right now. Jill. Um, <laughs> but the reason I bring up Jill is because it's become kind of a joke between the two of us. This, this word energy gets used a lot in our culture. Yeah. And Jill, Jill talks about the importance of understanding that energy in, in many ways, like while it's this kind of nebulous idea that, that our culture likes to throw around in, in feel-good conversation, there's a lot of psychology really at the root of it. it. It's not a nebulous idea per se. It's actually psychology driving that so-called feeling. If we feel something, there's psychology behind that. If somebody is bringing certain behavioral patterns to the interaction that makes us feel that said energy, there's also psychology behind that. I'm curious how you break down or define this notion of energy just to kind of start the conversation off, Lisa. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned that I had been diagnosed with depression. And so there was a there were a couple of years where life was, it was dark. I was sort of leading a, a dark, I was living a dark existence and I wasn't uh, the natural energy or the the excitement that yeah. I approached all my days with was missing. And um, depression in a nutshell is an inability to construct a future or to to think about anything hmm. in a positive light. And and I didn't, that just was, it was so the antithesis of who I am as a person, like it, depression, it was just, to me, it was just the strangest thing to be diagnosed with something that was so far from what I thought I was like as a person. And it just goes to show that you never really know what's going on with somebody. So I wanted to find, uh, listen, I have no problem announcing that I found better living through chemistry um, (laughs) at the beginning of that. Sure, But uh, I also found that going out with a spirit of goodwill to the day saying today's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of platitudes about gratitude in, in our life, you know, keeping a journal and sometimes uh, good advice comes in platitudes. And, and I thought, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. I just want to get up and do it. And so that was really the way that I, I took on energy with regard to my own life and having to get up every single day and force myself to the gym or force myself to have conversations with clients or to answer my emails or to do the laundry in, in on certain days. And so I really wanted to continue the persona that I'd been putting out into the world even when, like I said, inner fortitude was the last thing I felt. I wanted to keep it up, but I didn't want it to be false. I wanted to show up as my authentic self. So I enlisted help from a lot of different people. And then I found that I would go and I would do a shoot. And for the hour, two hours, or in the case of a wedding, full day that I was working, I didn't feel sad at all. I didn't think about my depression. I didn't think about the things that were going wrong. I didn't ruminate on what was, you know, bad in my life or difficult in my life. I just lived and I was 100% in the moment, really enjoying myself. I would look forward to getting home and downloading my cards and seeing what I had captured. And so I thought, well, this is fantastic. I've chosen the right career because it's feeding this light that's inside of me. It's feeding this, you know, internal fire that I know that I have. And I was noticing little things that I hadn't, you know, I could spend a day on the sofa feeling sorry for myself and I wouldn't notice little things. And then I would go on a shoot and all I could see was the way that sun was dancing in the space and the way that light was hitting somebody's hair and all the moments of grace would come back to me. Mm. So 
I wanted to. Can I can if, I jump in really quick right course. there? I'm, I'm kind of curious about this because you, you know, I, I alluded to the idea of psychology a second ago as it relates to this I, this notion of energy. You talked about and and the the benefit that comes from some medication helping kind of get the jump start out of that depression. Yeah, right. But I, I love as well, and and it's funny because I can I can also see Jill cheering, and not actually, but just internally, I can see Jill cheering in the background as she's editing this episode, talking as you talk about the significance of doing, yes. because that that is also kind of her her tendency, and in fact, I, I have a lot of respect for that. I've learned a lot from it. Seeing her, you know, there is a tendency of for for artist types like yourself, like myself, and others in the industry to to sit and ruminate, ruminate and to, to dwell and to fixate. And it's easy when we do that to get stuck. And, and yeah. it's interesting how breaking, out, breaking that cycle or that pattern and doing at the end of the day, showing up regardless of how we feel. Because a lot of times we, we as photographers and just people in general base what we do on how we feel rather than doing and then expecting or looking for the feeling on the other side of that, or even being confident in the fact that it's going to come on the other side of that. I guess I want to highlight the, the wonder, the beauty of how you realized that doing, at the end of the day, doing was going to make a difference. And, and you, of course, we could also break down the psychology of where you got that benefit from the shoot, the fact that you're focusing on somebody else and creating an experience for them and in, in the process and maybe even as a result, appreciating the environment around that experience. Um, but I just like that, that you did and that that made a big difference in that transition and kind of taking you out of that darker place. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Thank you for for saying that. I think really, I'm an extrovert living a lonely life. And and that's not to say, woe is me, but I, you know, I'm a single mom with, with a teenager. So it's, he's not as home as much. I live in a very family oriented town. I don't have a significant other. So I need connection. I, I crave mm. connection yes. all the time. It's such a, it's such a big thing to me. Yes. And I feel like sitting at home, feeling sorry for myself, you know, and, and this is not in any way to diminish people who need to do that because everybody heals in a different way. And there are days when that's all I can do. You know, when, when someone is in crisis, it, it's not for anybody to tell them how to get out of crisis. It's for doctors and therapists. And um, I would never presume to do that, but I know what works for me. And so for me, making a connection with another person, I just want to stay connected. And so hmm. what I find is I have a natural tendency to be a hype girl. I really do. That's just the way... I feel. And so if I start to hype somebody, they start to hype me. And then we're in this like mutual hype session and we feel, and all of a sudden I feel good about myself. <laughs> I feel like, you know what? I have yeah. some, there's some value in this world that wouldn't be here if not for me. And, and yeah. to be able to feel that is wonderful. And I want to do that for my clients. I'm a big advocate of mental health awareness and knowing that people are suffering all the time and trying to say, that's okay. Well, you know, that's the, the Buddhists say, love your suffering and accept your suffering. And I do that. I really do. I'm not a Buddhist, but I definitely believe in that tenet. And, yeah. and I think that the way to do that is to recognize it, recognize it in other people, and mm -hmm. then go out and, and just push it to the side and say, yet we have all of these beautiful things. Let's talk about them. Let's cheer each other on. Let's be, um, Let's be advocates for each other. And so 
it's not just about taking photographs. So I work with a lot of high school seniors and, and it's, it's a part of my business. It's current right now, because like I said, my son is a high school senior. So, and it's a small town. So I got a lot of work in the last couple of years and I'm sure it will trickle into the next few and then it'll probably go away when I'm an old lady. But I, um, I work with these kids and they come to me and they are right for the next part of their life. Most of them are 17 years old. So they're on the cusp of adulthood and I see so much potential in them, you know, and, and I know teenagers, I live with one can be tough. You know, they have a lot that's going on, especially in the last couple of years with this pandemic or in the last year with the pandemic, but there's so much richness to their inner life. And I love bringing that out. I find beauty in every single subject that I shoot. And I mean that people, people will say to me sometimes, you know, oh, what do you do when you get somebody who's unattractive or awkward or whatever? And Yes, of course, there are awkward people, but my goal is to push that aside and bring out what's wonderful about them. Yeah. Part of it's part of what I think the experience should be of sure. getting your your photographs made. So Well, but there again, uh, you're you're focusing on on and I, I know this this word can maybe sometimes have weird connotations, but serving them, right? I mean you're yes. you're creating when we talk about the idea of creating an experience, again, I, I go back to what we were discussing earlier, which is that feel what is the feeling that I am creating from them interacting with me or something else that I've alluded to on the podcast, I think multiple times at this point, my friend, Sean Austin, who's the owner of, of Kiss Books, an album company in our industry. Yes. And he's been on the podcast yes. a number of times, but he talks about understanding or, or learning what it means for somebody to be on the other side of him as an individual and working at creating a better experience for those people. When we think about delivering and wanting to really ultimately make the experience of that person or that group of people a better one at this particular moment or in this day in their lives in the world, and that's the focus. It's I, I love that you highlighted the the benefit, the value that that comes that comes from that process where you're focusing on somebody else, focusing on serving them. It naturally takes away from what can be a tendency or at least an ease of going inward and focusing on what doesn't feel so great at the moment because we're focused on taking care of somebody else. And I don't, I don't in any way mean to minimize the, the need that we have for taking care of ourselves and, and, and finding ways to meet those needs. But I, I just, I love Lisa that you highlighted the significance or a couple of things, one of, of focusing on the experience for others and providing an experience for others. That's wonderful of giving to and serving others. I think that's really important. And at, at the end of the day, just doing at, at certain times when yeah. we don't necessarily feel like it, just doing and many, it, it can help us come out of that shell and get to a better place. The other thing I want to highlight too, that you said that I think is wonderful and it bears repeating is um, a concept that I think I've talked about on the podcast before, but Michael Singer wrote a book um, some time ago. And it, speaking of books that, that are you know, highly dog-eared and, and weathered and so forth, I actually have multiple <laughs> copies of the book so that I can give them to people. It's called Untethered Soul. And one of the things he talks about in this book is, is how we choose to engage with feelings, which of course come from experiences in our lives, especially those that are negative, that, that we can engage with those feelings or those thoughts as objects. I, I was talking to someone yeah. very close to me the other day, I won't mention names, but who, who talked to me about feelings happening to, to that person. And, and I said, be careful about that because that, that becomes kind of a reactive mentality and really an approach to life. We ultimately get to choose 
the the mental state that we put ourselves in because again at, at least as michael singer describes it and points it out we have the ability to choose how to engage with those thoughts and choose how to engage with those feelings as objects we can give them space we can give them time or we can acknowledge them and then just see them on and it's a really beautiful way and we'll link to the book in the show notes if anybody is curious to get into it more but we have that ability and i think that's super powerful in light of the struggles that we might be going through because by the way i can very much relate to you lisa after my ex and i split i went through a super dark time as well this is about um i don't know eight years nine years ago or so and it was tough and i didn't really talk about it much in the industry and in fact i actually kind of pulled back from the industry for quite some time so i know what it's like to be in that space but i also then realized that i had the ability to choose again to your point to do despite how i might be feeling and and it's fascinating how then you begin to develop this habit of doing yeah. which results in a feeling um that's much better than than the feeling or feelings i was experiencing just sitting at home kind of dwelling on those those negative feelings i i agree with you that that I mean, neither you nor I are psychologists or therapists here, but I, I think there's something to be said for the significance of doing despite feelings, because in our culture, we've gotten so obsessed with acknowledging feelings that I think in some ways we've gone to an extreme end that can be actually detrimental to our lives, detrimental to our business. It's good to find a healthier balance there. Yeah, I agree with you. I really do. I think that my transparency about uh, mental health has only served me and help me to serve my clients. And, and I actually like that you use the word serve. I, I know that there can be a strange connotation with it, but I believe in it. I think in serving our clients or in serving humanity, we serve ourselves. I really do. Well, I want to, in closing our conversation today, I know that there are certain ways where you proactively, intentionally kind of bring this this high energy, um, create this experience <laughs> of happiness for your clients. And I mean, you, you talked about how it's enabled you to feel, help your clients feel comfortable, certainly happy in their experience with you as a photographer. Will you just share some of those specific ways that you do this from, I mean, any, any time from the meeting to the shoot, to the delivery of the images, what does that actually look like on a really tangible level? So I think when it starts, when I, when I receive an inquiry and it's from someone who I don't know personally, I try to keep the language conversational. I don't, uh, I know what I would be put off by. Yes. And so I think about that. I, I keep it con- professional, but conversational. So I, my emails, templates are chatty and fun. And I make sure that I'm asking questions about who they are. And I try very hard to keep up with trends. And by that, I mean, memes and music and uh, current events and things like that. So that I have things that I can talk to with people that may be significantly younger than I am. You know, I'm 53 years old. So it's really important to me that I know what the 20 year olds and the 25 year olds and are doing. Have, um, have you hired or, your son as a consultant? Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely run things by him. Sometimes I'll say, you know, my life, my life, you know, I'll say something every once in a while. He'll be like, mom, no one says that anymore. So then I know I got to scratch it off my list, yep. but yeah, but I think it's important to sort of be up on things and, you know, up on technology for sure, but also up on the vernacular of the younger crowd, because I don't, one of the things that I've always feared is becoming irrelevant in the industry um, through my age, mostly because as I get older and more experienced, that's great. But those clients aren't following me. Like my, sure. I'm appealing to brides and every year it's, you know, younger and younger and, sure. and there's a lot bigger gap. Yeah. So for me to show them that energy is really important because I do not want them to be like, Oh wait, she's old. I want them to be like, okay, she might have a number of years, but those are experience years and she's so hype and she's so fun and she's, you know, energy for me is usually the feedback that I get. People will say, we hired you because immediately 
we saw your energy. Immediately we knew you were the person we wanted to be with us all day. When I meet with prospective wedding clients, I will say to them, it's really important that you like your wedding photographer because we spend more time with you than pretty much anybody all day. And sometimes including the person that you're marrying, you know, depending on the day. So there has to be, it's almost like dating. There has to be a chemistry. There has to be a chemistry that you can, that you can handle. And over the years I have met with prospective clients and I knew right away, these people cannot handle my energy and I can't turn it down in a certain way. I, you know, I feed off of people's energy. I can be calm in more solemn moments for sure. And I can, you know, bring out the, a little bit of my bossy side when I need to herd cats for family formal, but for <laughs> most, <laughs> but for the most part, I am who I am. And so it's really important. Um, I've even rejected clients before based on the fact that they were very reserved and very quiet. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to serve you well because you need somebody who can respect that respect how conservative you are and not try to pull something out of you that you don't feel comfortable giving. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, just, um, just kind of, well, I mean, I, I guess empathy in that context, just realizing that they right. may respond better to a different persona. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the energy that I bring to that kind of a meeting uh, or that kind of a relationship. And when I initially meet somebody, I do all the, the right things. We have snacks. I want to talk about them. I don't want to necessarily talk about their wedding right away. I want to know how did you meet and what was your proposal like? And what do you guys like to do? And I, um, when I do an engagement session, I say, let's, let's go to a bar first. You know, if it's appropriate, let's get you guys uh, a drink or two to loosen up. And, let's, and I use that opportunity to get to know my clients because I want them, I, it, this sounds cliche too, but I want them to think of me as a friend at the wedding. I don't want them yeah. to think of me as just another vendor off in the corner. I have little things uh, so for example, in my contract, in my, you know, my very formal wedding contract, there's a little part that says I get cake and they have to sign off on that. Like I get cake at your wedding. That's important to me. <laughs> and so for some people, just that little, that little bit of humanity yeah. amongst, you know, the forced majeure and the copyright act and stuff gives them, gives them joy. And that makes me really, really happy is if I can just be a little bit different. I'm a hype girl. And so I really, I, I will get hyped about what they are excited about. So if the, they're, a lot of times I'll ask, one of the questions I'll ask uh, my clients, I'll ask one partner, what's your favorite thing about the person you're marrying? And then I'll ask the same of the other partner. And then I'll watch out for those things during the day. And that's energy. And again, I wish I had a better word for it, but that's a piece of the, the pie that creates this experience. Sometimes I wish I could name it the Lisa Gilbert experience instead of Lisa Gilbert photography, you yeah. know, because that's, that's what I want it to be. And sure. so for me, when they, when I ask them that question, so if I pull a groom aside and I say, tell me what it is that you love about her so much. And he'll say, she does this hair flip thing, or she wrinkles her nose when, you know, when she's confused or something. And I make sure that I get a photograph of that. And sometimes if I have time, I'll ask the parents the same thing. What's your favorite thing about your daughter? What's your favorite thing about your son? And I look for those moments. And that's energy that I feel like is positive. Let's my clients know that I am fully invested in capturing authentic moments that day. Um, And I'll do this in family sessions as well. I'll ask parents what their favorite thing about their kids is. And um, you know, if the kids are old enough and it's appropriate, I'll tell, I'll say, who's got the stinkiest feet in the family, you know, just things <laughs> that keep people, it's always dad, um, just things that keep people engaged and, and keep them knowing that I'm engaged and that I really, really want to enjoy this time with them. 
One of the things that I think is really important too is that I um, I have my technical skills in place, Nathan, and I'm confident in that. So I'm free to just be creative. And yes, and yes. that's the energy I can bring yep. to a session. Is I'm not worried about my gear. I'm not worried about the light. I I know how to handle those things, and that again. I'm very fortunate with that. I see a lot of new photographers who are really struggling to do it all at once. And I say, you gotta, you gotta get down your skills first and then, and then work on your client relationships because now I can just be in the moment and just enjoy it. And that is so it's liberating, but it also lets me be just the energy, the energy that these clients need. It lets me be completely involved with the way that they are in this session so that they're being themselves. They're not worried. I'm not going, Oh, hang on a second. I got to change my battery or whatever. I just am flowing with it and having fun. And I love that. That makes me really happy. Well, I, I, I appreciate you sharing all this. I'm actually taking notes and, and just to, for those of you listening in, if you want to just review a few talking points here, I'm, I'm literally writing these things down on a notebook as Lisa's talking, but the first point, keep language conversational and chatty. Um, secondly, keep up with trends and memes for and, and current events for the sake of conversation. I think this is really great. I mean, you know, I'll listen to a news podcast and then I'll, I'll listen to another podcast by some 20 something year olds. And then I'll listen to another podcast by Joe Rogan, who's a commentator for UFC and a comedian. Yep, um, and yep. I'll listen to Tim Ferriss, who's a kind of an intellectual and a biohacking fan. And I mean, it keeping, I guess, keeping our, our antenna up, if you will, for not only current events, but kind of a wide variety of subjects, at least on a surface level, enables us to be able to engage um, with a variety of personality types. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. I think we can also spread ourselves too thin in that effort. So there's a balance to be had, but um, I, yeah, I really like that I thought process. That. Yeah, thank you. I, it's, I, I believe that you can never stop learning. There's always yeah. someone else that you can learn from. And you know, the people that I put on pedestals when I first started in this business, some of them are still working, some of them aren't. I need to make sure that things aren't too ephemeral. I really want to I want to sink my teeth into things that are going to stay around. Yeah. So over the years I've paid attention to you know, like I said, I follow trends, but I've paid attention to what's important it, and it is, it's about the podcasts I listen to and the books that I read and the news that I consume. And I try to make it really, really educational for me. I don't want to spend, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine sitting down and watching and binging on a TV show and, and it doesn't have to relate to my life. Um, sometimes it's great if it doesn't relate to my yeah. life, if I can completely get lost. Sure. But w- when it comes to business, I want to make sure that I have enough in my emotional suitcase yep. that I can relate to my clients on a variety of levels. And whether that's relating to a toddler about you know the newest song that everybody's singing or relating to a high school senior yeah. about college and so on and so forth through relating to brides or to relating to grandparents, you know, on the day that their their grandchildren are getting married. Well, I want to make sure that I can that I can sort of uh, reach out to everybody. And that's, but that's great though. And you talk about the tendency that photographers have in many cases to be introverts. I, I've commented on this before. I think introversion in many cases is ultimately a choice and, and we can actually learn the skill set necessary to actually the psychology, first of all, behind it, but then the skill set necessary to be able to come out of that shell, to be able to engage more comfortably with others. And, and, and part of that is just this, what you're describing, Lisa, is, is developing a knowledge base. And again, it doesn't have to be super deep, but a knowledge base that enables us to be able to engage with a variety of people. I love the way that you described it earlier, an emotional suitcase to be able to engage with a variety <laughs> of personalities. I, th- I think that's really smart. So that's a really important point. The third, the third point I, I mentioned here is 
just the significance of scheduling time to to get to know the client, whether that's going out for drinks or doing dinner. I used to do this kind of thing as well in and around the engagement session. And I, I think that's a, a great idea. Number four, bring humanity and, and even humor to the interaction, keeping things light and fun and real. I think also a great recommendation. And then number five, be comfortable. And I like that you highlight this. This really isn't discussed, I don't think, very much in our industry, but be comfortable with the technology that you're using, the tools at hand, so that you can almost do that part in autopilot and focus yes. on, as we said at the very beginning or early on in the conversation, focus on the experience that we're delivering, which is really what's going to be more impactful in the end. Lisa, I, I really appreciate you sharing just from a wide range of, of life experience and business experience and ultimately about your passion for, for creating a really great experience with clients. And um, maybe just in closing, remind our listeners where they can find and follow you online and, and keep up with what you're doing. Oh, sure. Thank you so much, Nathan. This was, was really great. So I am Lisa Gilbert. I'm based in Cohasset, Massachusetts. I photograph primarily weddings, but I also shoot families and uh, high school seniors. And I like to be a photographer for life. So that means if you're pregnant, I'll photograph your maternity session. And I, uh, I am on Instagram at Lisa Gilbert Photography. I'm on Facebook, Lisa Gilbert Photography uh, on Facebook. And I, let's see, and now I'm on the Boca podcast with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. And then for, yeah. for your woop website woop. too, lisagilbertphotography.com. Oh. Yes, right. LisaGilbertPhotography.com. Thank you. I got you covered. I got you covered. We're yeah, going to put I all this that. in the show notes at bocapodcast.com oh, for, for everybody listening in. Um, make sure to take advantage of those show notes as, as a resource that certainly Haley's been putting together for us. Now Jill's going to be putting together for us talking points, resources. We'll, we'll have all that information in the show notes, bocapodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app as well. Thanks one more time, Lisa, for hanging out with all of us, for making time for us today. Yeah, Nathan, thank you so much. This was a real treat. I really enjoyed being here. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.